0: Welcome to Senior Beat. My name is Christine Beatty, and I'm a proud volunteer for the Madison Senior Center that uh, co produces this program. And this segment is, uh, (laughs) this series is called uh, Wisconsin Aging Issues. And we're going to have a two part program today with some exciting people that it's my pleasure to introduce to you. Janet Zander, who is
1: from GWAR. Which is the Greater Wisconsin Agency on Aging Resources, and I do their advocacy and public policy work. Perfect. So glad that you join us. And Jim Well,
2: Hi, I'm from uh, the city of Madison. (laughs) I used to work for the state agency on aging for about 35 years.
0: Indeed. Both of our guests today are very well-versed in state uh, issues, and those issues especially affect older adults. Janet, you said that you had some really interesting information recently from AARP. Just to, to give us a kind of a summary of what's happening with older people in Wisconsin these days. So
1: I want to start with the piece that comes from the Institute for Research on Poverty. Yes. And we have two reports that just came out, AARP's uh, sort of State of Wisconsin, report and this poverty report. And what we learned was that poverty on the, for the state as a whole went down, but poverty for older adults went up. Now, it went up by a half a percent. It didn't go up, you know, exponentially, but it went up. And the reason it went up Is primarily due to out of pocket medical costs. Yes. Which didn't surprise me when I saw the fact sheet from AARP, which reminded us these statistics have been the same for quite some time that one in five older adults is living off of primarily Social Social Security Security income. Yes. And almost half of older adults have Social Security is half of their income. So right. we're talking about a population that's at or near poverty for a great share of our older adults in Wisconsin. And the population increases
0: is um, really, uh, you know, we know the population is increasing. We're facing that in every uh, aspect of our lives. Uh, we're living longer. And so women and those who are more elderly are probably... going to to be in that uh, poverty rate that you're talking about as an average for the state. Well, let's talk about some of the issues that are important um, to all senior adults in Wisconsin, but especially to um, those, thank you for giving us that poverty statistic, because that kind of frames it for us. So if we talk about economic security, one of the things I know that um, Juan, the organization, Uh, which is the Wisconsin Aging Advocacy Network has uh, listed as a priority, is the idea of state funding for the Elderly Benefits Specialist Program. Uh, Jim, you want to just talk a little bit about what that is and why that's important?
2: That program was begun in 1977 right here in Dane County Mm -hmm. uh, through an organization called the Center for Public Representation. It's since spread statewide. And the, the, the notion behind the Benefit Specialist Program is to help older people avail themselves of the benefits that they need and are entitled to. Right. They're specialists. Yeah. And, and, uh, and we have,
0: those benefits are really kind of tricky sometimes, aren't they?
2: Sometimes it can be excruciating to yes. apply for those benefits. And it's been exacerbated by cutbacks yes. in the staffing and available. And changes. Yep.
0: Many changes. Okay.
2: And so we, we have a, increased numbers of older people dealing with a fixed number of benefit specialists over increasingly complicated benefit issues. And the state funding for this program has by and large been uh, static. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you know, it's hard to attract and keep people when you pay them constant wages with increasing costs. And beyond that, their workload has been getting so large, it's very difficult for them. And as a consequence, older people who need the help Can't always get it.
0: Yeah. Or they can't get it in a timely fashion, which is also devastating if you're dealing with a benefit program of some kind.
1: some of our benefit programs that have a penalty for not right. getting That's it right, right the first time, I right? That right. Time. You're absolutely right. And that right. penalty goes on for the rest of the time you're on Medicare yes. or whatever the program may be that penalizes that you. So getting that information when you need it it's is really, really
0: critical. Well, mm-hmm. and I noticed um, uh, there hadn't been a state increase in funding in 22 years, right. which is uh, given the growth of population, which is
1: kind of uh, scary then. And isn't the complexity it? of the program programs, meaning more and more are online access. So if you're not computer literate or or even savvy with that, so not only are there more choices, but yes. May I admit that I needed help
0: when I applied for Medicare and tried to make uh, choices about health care. I'm in the aging network. And yet for me, it was a complex uh, issue
1: and I needed help too. As Jim said, they're specialists. I mean, they have a tremendous amount of ongoing training to stay up on these issues that the the rest right. of us simply couldn't do.
0: That's right. So where does that stand at this point? Just that uh, we're requesting that from the state
1: government. We or? had a proposal in this in um, during the state budget time. We had talked with legislators and the governor's office, and we did not get any funding for that program. Absolutely. So we are really doing a tremendous amount of education right now. Many of our legislators are new and aren't familiar with the program, yeah. and yeah. we need them to understand how critical they are and then yes. the value that they bring back to older adults and to the community. So support
0: for the elderly benefit specialist program is in the best interest of older adults who need some information and assistance in, in working their way through that maze.
2: Right, and it has a payback too. It shouldn't be understated. Yeah. And that, sometimes that it's, that's not understood. To the extent that we help older people receive the benefits that they have coming, whether they be in medical assistance or whatever, those dollars go back to their community.
0: Exactly.
2: So exactly. it helps keep them in their community and actually benefits the community financially.
0: That's right. Thank you for bringing that out. What about homestead tax uh, credits? Is that program doing
1: well? Uh, multiple years in a row, um, we did not see that indexed. And Jim, you want to talk a little bit about why that might be so important?
2: Homestead tax relief um, helps people get a basically a tax benefit, okay. um, and you have to qualify. You have to be below a certain income level. Right. But if you keep that level static mm-hmm. while prices increase, fewer and fewer people become stay eligible for the oh. program. Hence, indexing is the only way to keep the proportion of older people eligible in any sense of uh, up to date
0: yes yes uh,
2: there's no good reason not to index the program
0: right, right. Um,
2: because otherwise well ultimately we have nobody who qualifies
0: that's right so and and where is that i mean are we seeing that moving ahead or not at
1: all the governor had it in the budget, the legislature took it back out of the budget, and it did not end up in the final budget.
0: Okay, so that's another area where we really want the indexing of the Homestead Tax Credit yes. program. And that's been a boon. I know at the Senior Center when we have people come in yes. and for their tax, tax ha- assistance, um, many of them are um, individuals who are primarily filing for the Homestead Tax yeah. Credit. And it's a crucial type of program for them so you know there are so many different issues i'm i'm scrambling through my notes here because um we we really do have a lot i, I know that one of the wan issues is and and by the way can you just tell us a little bit about WAN? just a couple sentences the
2: wisconsin aging advocacy network <clears throat> it's an organization of organizations yeah yeah um who unite around common issues mm-hmm. uh, relevant to older people. Mm-hmm. And you you coalesce around a limited number of issues, and the organizations may have other issues in addition to that. Right. Uh, I'm a participant in one. I don't belong to anything. Mm-hmm. But older folks can participate individually. Yes. And it's a way to work together on a limited number of issues. Okay.
0: Thank you, Jim. Uh, Yeah, Alzheimer's Association, daycare, center services, senior centers, nutrition directors are all some of the agencies that work with WAN. So um, the um, caregiver support is such a crucial issue as our 85 and over population really goes up uh, in the next few years. Having a caregiver is so critical. There is an... um, a bill called the Wisconsin
1: Credit for Caring Mm -hmm. Act. Tell me about that, Janet. So, you know, when we talk about older adult poverty, we have to think about how many people um, had to leave the workforce for caregiving, Mm -hmm. how many people had to reduce their hours due to caregiving. We still know families provide the bulk of care that's provided in our country, and and that includes in Wisconsin. And we have to think about how how few companies offer pensions anymore. So exactly. when our caregivers leave the workforce to do caregiving, which is, we're so um, grateful for the service that they provide, they often lose income. Mm-hmm. And in addition to losing income, they often have to spend money out of their own pockets to provide the care for yeah, their family Yeah, I read member. Um,
0: an average of $7,000. Is right. that an annual? Yes. Oh, my.
1: Yes. Annual? And long-distance caregivers are expending even you more. more than that. Right. And so the Credit for Caring Act acknowledged that that at least we would say this: your service has value. We'd like to offer you a credit for at least a portion of those caregiving um, costs that you've expended. And so there has been a bill introduced. Senator Tustin introduced a bill in the Senate, and we have a companion in the Assembly. We've not been able to move that bill forward. Mm-hmm. As you can understand, anytime there's a tax credit, there's a reduction in revenue yes. for the state. And so getting that to move forward. And yet, if we lose those family caregivers, the cost to our systems at a time when we're already... Enormous. Enormous. And we're already facing a workforce direct workforce crisis. So there is a shortage of those workers. Right. So we can't just spin it off to paid workers. Yeah.
0: Um, and these uh, these unpaid family caregivers... Are, um, are angels to care for their older adults. Uh, I think that falls mostly on women, but more and more it's falling on men yes. as well. Men are stepping up uh, to provide some of this care. Um, there's another um, piece of legislation, a CARE Act.
2: Mm-hmm. Good. So, so
1: the CARE Act requires hospitals to identify to ask patients when they're admitted if they have a caregiver and if they would like to acknowledge that that person would be listed on their on their documentation and then that caregiver would be involved in discharge planning and most critically would be trained to provide whatever care was going to need to be provided by them before they got home so this is a bill that says caregivers we understand you're an important part of the caregiving team the healthcare team mm-hmm. And we want you to feel comfortable and confident in what you're going to need to do. Often there's a lot of medication changes, yeah. um, procedural changes that people who aren't in the medical field aren't familiar with. Right. So they want to know what to do. They want to know how to do it, and they want to be comfortable. So they have to be shown how to do these things. Mm-hmm. It's good for patients who want to know that, they're, that that's going to be provided in the way it needs to be. But it's so important to keeping caregivers. Forty states and territories in the U.S. have passed the CARE Act.
0: Oh, okay. So
1: we're one of the few that still has not been able to move this bill forward, and we continue to hear from caregivers that it's really critical.
0: Isn't that interesting? In some of these programs, we are the leaders, and now here's one where we're lagging
1: behind others. And think about the way care has changed over the years you know many of these folks are doing tube feeding and injectable medications oh, yeah. and nebulizers and well, the you know hospital
0: stays are so short right you know they're they're moving mm-hmm. you in and out right. so what happens to the person who may not have a caregiver and some caregivers i've heard don't even know how to identify themselves as caregivers they don't. oh i'm just the i'm just the daughter yep. right. Um, I just know. get groceries, pick
1: up her pills, set them up for her before yeah. I leave. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah I'm right. That's a caregiver.
2: Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. You take these two issues, they're related. Both mm-hmm. of them are designed to help support caregivers. Right. They keep the family involved. They make it easier to stay involved, to stay in the workforce, to remain productive, not doing it as being penny wise and pound foolish.
0: Okay. Hold that thought. We will be back with more issues of... Uh, uh, important to Wisconsin elders. See you in a minute. Welcome back. We were talking about caregiver supports and our program is called Wisconsin Aging Issues. Though We're taking a look at issues that are really going to affect older adults in Wisconsin. Our guest is Janet Zander and also Jim Schmidlkoffer. Thanks for being here, you guys. Um, we were talking about caregivers, but there's another program similar to um, Elderly Benefit Specialist Program, and that program is the Dementia
2: Care Specialist.
0: Could you just tell me a little bit about that program? Me? Sure. Sure.
2: <laughs> Nowadays, it's hard to pick up a paper or talk to a group of older folks without having the issue of Alzheimer's and related yes. dementia come up. Yeah. And it's scary because it's the unknown. Yep. And it's also very complicated. Um, the dementia care specialist concept puts a dementia care specialist in the community, and that individual knows the issues surrounding dementia care mm-hmm. and can help caregivers and other folks suffering from dementia to deal with the issue. Because it's not something you learn on the street corner. No. And it's, no. it's, it, it, it's a very well-thought-out program. You help organize groups of older people into support groups, provide the, not direct care but where to get care, and it's it's a, a, a source of knowledge that most communities lack.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful.
1: And where does that program stand at this point? So we were able to expand from trying to think off the top of my head just how many we had before twenty six maybe um, 27 to twenty
0: seven and three tribal.
1: No, that was the request.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That okay. was the request. 21 24
1: right.
2: Current.
0: Serving in 21 ADRCs in 34 counties and 3 tribes.
1: Yep. Tribes. Okay. And this Got last it. budget added nine additional dementia care specialists eight within the ADRCs and one tribal.
0: Right. Well, I Dementia would care specialist. in an ADRC, you'd have to have somebody who had that specialty.
1: It really helps. I mean, yeah. they all have to work in that arena, of course, right. but to have somebody whose primary focus is that. Yeah. And as Jim said, they're working in not only with individuals and their families, but with the community yes, so that this family can feel, right, so that this programs. family is supported yeah. and can continue to provide care and feel like they're a part of their community and don't have to be isolated. You
0: know, and we're learning so much more about dementia. As you said, there's always a new article in the paper, but, but we're learning that it's not just Alzheimer's disease. It's that, that the continuum between Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and dementia of the Lewy bodies, and it gets very complex, in terms of what treatment options are available for what people, so um, really an important
1: thing. And just getting diagnosed in the first place, the first place to allow you yes. know yourself and your family to plan and mm-hmm. absolutely. And to harken back to
2: something else, they work a lot with the caregivers that we mentioned previously right. to provide the specialized information and help those folks need.
0: Right. The other issue that now um, I'd like to switch to, which is somewhat a part of this, is this whole effort that Juan is making on the direct care workforce support. Um, Really exciting to me because uh, there are unpaid caregivers and families, and we know that that's the primary support for older adults in our communities, but there are also paid workers. Well, maybe there are because there aren't
1: enough, are there? And many, many of us family caregivers complement the care that we're providing with paid care. So it's often not an either or, but a working together, right? And it's respite
0: for that. Family, Absolutely. The you paid bet. Caregiver.
1: And what we're faced with now, as we've talked about for some time here this, today, is that we have an aging population that's aging quite rapidly. That 85 and older population most likely to need care at a time when people are retiring from direct care faster than people are entering into the workforce. Right. So every day we're losing more and more workers mm-hmm. to provide the care that's needed, both in residential settings as well as in our yeah. home and like community-based community. services, yeah. right? So without these workers, people are missing work. They're not either having to stay in bed. They're not, get, you know, getting fed. They, you know, I mean, it's a serious that's issue. That's an issue that,
0: it, it, no, even if you have great number of, a uh, great amount of resources if you can't find the worker to
1: pay, you're out of luck. Right. So this And why is that all happening? Because yeah. these workers could go almost anywhere else and make more money. Yes.
0: Fast food places. Yes. So the average uh wage was 10.47 is I have down on my Yes. That is less than you get at Fast food places.
1: Retail stores, fast food places, almost anywhere. And we all know this is hard work. I mean, they're great. right? No benefits. Right. Very often there are not benefits. Benefits And even if there is insurance or something available, most of the folks with that wage can't afford to to pay the premium for it. Right. Right. So absolutely. So we've done a a tremendous initiative to try to work with our, our allies in this work. To lift up the rates that these providers are paid under Medicaid, under the medical assistance program, which makes up a big share of the revenue these programs get in. Because if we don't raise that rate that goes to the agencies, the workers can't get higher wages. And so the initiative that we just were involved in was to um, lift the medical assistance personal care rate. Um, substantially in order to raise the wages. Our goal was to try to get the workers to 15. We didn't get there this time, Mm -hmm. but we did get a 9% increase in the first year of the budget and another 3% in the second year, which will end up lifting that rate by about $2. Now, mind you, that whole $2 isn't going to the worker. So we're moving forward, but yeah. We need to move further. But that's an issue we should all be concerned about, Absolutely. whether you're an older person
0: or whether you're someone right. who's providing care to another person. This is a travesty. Wisconsin, is a it's not really
1: hard to give people a choice of where they want to get that care. Right. But without providers, that choice is that's really right. <laughs> right. diminished, yes. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and again,
0: uh, we always talk about the need for affordable health care and what a difference that makes in the lives of older people in Wisconsin. Comments? About where we are on that? Well, I think it's unfortunate
2: at the federal level we see absolutely no leadership in terms of caring for older people. Rather, what we hear at the federal level is removing people from Mm -hmm. health care. Unfortunately, the approach is shifting costs from Medicare to older people rather than finding better ways to provide care at a lower cost. Hmm. In the short run, there is absolutely no reason to be optimistic in terms of federal action on right. this level. Um, Health care continues to outstrip the cost of inflation.
0: Right. That's, that's just the way it is.
2: Well, but it doesn't have to be. Okay. Uh, we're one of the only countries in the world. We spend more on a percentage basis on health care than anybody in the world. I've heard and that. we have fewer yes. people covered. Yes. And in this state, we refuse to take the money for Medicaid expansion, and as a consequence, spend more state money and serve fewer people. Mm which is poor public policy.
1: It sure is. And much of our work around affordable health care coverage includes for these workers we've been talking about and these family caregivers we've been talking about. Because without health insurance, they're in dire straits. And, you know, looking at the line of work that they're in, the exposure that they have. The um, risks are
0: high. Right. Back and Mm -hmm. other issues. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And a real irony of the whole thing is that an increasing percentage of the home care workers in Wisconsin – and nationally, are immigrants? Yes, and there we
0: go. Twenty-five across the nation. Yep. Think about okay. that. Nationwide. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, then we see where the federal policies begin to impact right here in our own community. Most
2: definitely.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, there is there is one thing about health that I think it's important to talk about, and and that is the focus that you folks have put on the increase. Um, in the investment in healthy aging grants. Could you speak to that a little bit, Janet?
1: Sure. We've had a proposal in for the last three budgets to fund evidence-based, these are research-proven health promotion programs. So if you
0: take this program, Research shows you come out better.
1: Right. If it's a falls prevention program, it means that you're going to see fewer ER visits, fewer hospitalizations, because we can reduce falls. If it's managing your chronic conditions, whether that's diabetes or a heart condition, you stay out of the hospital, you're able to manage that better yourself. We know. We know. Tremendous cost savings. The return on investment in these programs is, is tremendous. And yet, the idea that we would invest in prevention, just at, both at the state and federal level, right. is not there. Um, the first budget, we we had a small invest, one-time investment. By the time the second budget came around, it wasn't renewed. And this time around, the governor put in some funding, and the legislature pulled it back out. And yeah. we're we, without. The trainers that we need to provide these programs, the licensing and distributing these throughout the state, not just in some communities, but in all communities where people would want to have access to these. We can't help people stay at home, be independent, and we're we're driving up costs unnecessarily. So it's preventable. yeah and and uh, the falls prevention stuff is so
0: uh good I think an illustration of how older adults uh, can really be trained to to look out for their own yes. well-being yes. and the, that's what these evidence-based health programs help them to do. I know we've had several falls prevention programs at the senior center mm-hmm. and um you know, people come out saying, I, "I've got to get my rugs up. I've yeah. got to, I got to take care of those cords and the Footwear, floor." Right.
1: I mean, so, yeah. many, different I,
0: so mm-hmm. many different strategies that they themselves can use to uh, ensure their well-being, okay. and it's kind of exciting to an older oh. person to oh, leave. Empowering yeah. To to yeah i can i can do this this is easy but um in terms of the community it makes a big difference on how much we spend on emergency visits and other things so senior care we've got prescription drug assistance program that's one that's really an important one right now in the health care and uh that's the good
2: news program right oh yes wisconsin leading the way you want to talk about this, or should I? No, go ahead. I'll jump well, in. Well, senior care program's been around a while. It's yeah. a it's a Wisconsin developed program. I thought so. Good. For all of you that are as old as I am or older, there's the the federal uh, Medicare Part D program, which helps people with the, pay for their prescription drugs. The senior care program helps low income folks pay for their prescription drugs. Mm. And it's a heck of a good deal mm-hmm. for for seniors. We've had it for a number of years. We have to periodically ask the federal government to continue it.
0: For permission per- to renew it. Right. Right. right.
2: There's a process called giving us a waiver. A
0: waiver, that's right.
2: And they've now given us an extended waiver. Oh. And so we don't have to keep begging for it every uh-huh. few years. Uh-huh. And it is a wonderful idea for older people. And one of the rare programs in this state recently that has bipartisan support.
0: Yeah, you know I think so many of these might have bipartisan support, but this one for sure is one that's a real support
2: to older people. Helping old people shouldn't be an issue for Republicans or Democrats. It should be for all of us. Yeah.
1: And what we could learn from senior care is that simple applications work, right? So it's very easy to enroll in the program. It's a low-cost program. We need to use that as a model for more of our programs instead of making them more complicated right
0: well one of the things i'd like to do is um, you know go through more of these uh, but this is a wonderful document that guar makes available and would you give us some contact information for guar so that we can uh, encourage people to look at your website or what have you
1: sure so we are at uh, www.gwaar.org, mm-hmm. and on there we have an advocacy tab, and you will see all of our state and federal issues that we're working on listed there. Um, our My phone number, if, if you want to reach the Advocacy and Public Policy Coordinator, is 608-228-7253. Um, I can also be reached at Janet.Zander, Z-A-N-D-E-R, at gwaar.org. Wonderful.
0: Um, I also was on that website and I saw that there's a lot of simple ways to learn more about the legislative process, connect up with your representatives, and that's something this program really encourages people to consider is to make their views known to uh, their representatives in all forms and uh, et cetera. And so glad that you all joined us today. I think we've gone through some of the key issues. There are others, but um, I certainly do hope that we can encourage older adults to be listening for information about this, seeking information about it, and acting and on the... Yes. Mm-hmm. Communicating. I always tell the story of my sister-in-law, who is quite active politically. Um, she has her representatives on speed dial. Oh boy. <laughs> and it doesn't take her a minute. Yep. Um, she reads the morning paper, and if there's an issue that is intriguing to her or bothersome...
1: We can give data and statistics all day long up there, but they need to hear stories from constituents. That's right. Policymakers need to hear how does this impact you and people in your community. That's right. Well, I'm I'm going
0: to take her lead and get my representatives on speed dial. Isn't that a great idea? idea. Thank you again, Janet and Jim, for joining us at the program. And uh, we hope you'll join us again next month.